we'll be looking at what baptism symbolizes this morning. I want to take a few moments, and normally we have a time of communion, celebrating the Lord's table. We're not doing that this morning. And normally we have a time of elder prayer, uh, where one of the pastors of this church leads us together as a body in prayer before the Lord. So we're going to take just a little bit of time and do that this morning. Uh, I'm going to pray. Uh, Pray along with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the gospel that saves sinners. Every one of us in this room who knows you can attest to your kindness, your overwhelming love to those who were unlovely, unworthy. We were in rebellion against you. We sinned in our attitudes and our actions, and we needed rescue. And we thank you that you are a God who rescues. There is no one beyond your ability to save. You have told us, O oh God, that we are to be a, a peaceable kind of people in the earth. Having been rescued by you, we are to pray. We are to pray for all kinds of people, for kings and those who are in authority, precisely because you can save And so we lift up to you our nation's leaders. We pray for our president. We pray for our legislators at a national level. We pray for our governor and those who lead and govern us at the local level. God, we pray for the the sword which the government bears to punish wrong and to reward right. We grant that no earthly government has ever done this perfectly, but we recognize that that every president, every governor, every legislator, every mid-level bureaucrat will give account to you for how they lead and serve people on the earth. Lord, that's a scary thought. So our prayer for them would be that they would do well, that they would serve you by serving in government. We pray that you would bring repentance where there is rebellion, that you would bring faith where there is unbelief, that you actually would save Presidents, governors, legislators, local law enforcement, and everything in between. Because you are the kind of God that saves all kinds of men. We pray in response that we would be in subjection because we want to honor you, our true King. God, we thank you so much for preserving Denny Pagel, for getting him through his illness and bringing him home from the hospital. God, we praise you for your sustaining grace in that. You are the God who heals. You are the God who is sovereign over physical malady. I thank you for those in this body who were an encouragement in a timely fashion to Denny and to Barb. We pray that you would bring a complete recovery and bring Denny back to full uh, usefulness in this church and in his home. God, we thank you for your kindness in putting so many young ones in our church. We pray that the homes where these children find themselves would be filled with the gospel, filled with your word, proclaimed, modeled, taught. And we pray that you would raise up a generation of young ones who will know you early on in life 
and who will follow you all of their days. Would you use this little army to be gracious heralds of your saving gospel all their days? God, we pray for our time today. We, we think of those who have come to be baptized. And we ask that you would give them boldness and courage to give testimony of your grace in their lives. We thank you for Jinshah and Josie and Fernie and Abigail and Gavin and Hannah and Emma and Josie. And we ask even now as they tell us what you have done, that you would receive all glory. And God, would you stir our hearts with compassion for the lost, conviction about the truth, And for any who are here in this room who do not yet know you, who have not experienced forgiveness of sin and transformation of life, would you be pleased even this day to bring salvation? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're looking at the book of Romans and put your eyes on chapter 6. Paul says in verse 2 of Romans 6, How shall we who died with reference to sin still live in it? And this rhetorical question brings out an important truth. All those who are under the reign of grace, Romans 5, 20 and 21, all who have been saved by God's love have been removed from a tyranny to sin. They have died in their relationship to sin. That is a truth of every Christian. Everyone is born in sin and lives in sin and walks in sin. It's the air we breathe. It's the things we think. It's who we are by nature. It works itself out in what we do. And those who have experienced the transformation of grace have experienced a death, a kind of spiritual death, a a death to the old way of living, a death to the old self. Paul says this similarly in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. You see, when a man is born again, he dies to his old life. That's the point Paul is bringing out here. And he says, do you not know, Romans 6.3, that all of us who have been baptized or immersed into Christ have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves of sin. Here's this remarkable reality. Everyone who is in Christ has been joined to Christ, so that your union with Christ means a union with Him in His death and a union with Him in His resurrection life. You need to know, friends, that a Christian is not someone who has changed his ways, or cleaned up his act, or gotten religious, or pulled himself up by his own moral bootstraps, tried harder, done better. A Christian is one who, through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross, 
has died and has already been raised to new and spiritual life. If you're a Christian here today, you have experienced what the Bible calls new birth. The old things have gone away and new things have come. You are living a spiritual life when you were totally incapable of doing that before. And what is the watershed that makes this difference? The watershed is the gospel. The gospel that you're going to hear from these who are being baptized today. The gospel that has changed their lives. They're not here to tell you that they fixed themselves. That they cleaned up. That they sorted things out. They're here to boast in their Savior. That God has actually saved them from themselves and made them new creatures. What is that gospel that saves? It's very simple. God himself, in the person of the Son, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to earth and was born as a baby. And he lived on this earth and he never sinned. He never sinned because he was God. He never sinned because he lived perfectly. And then he died. He willingly went to the cross, not as a victim, but as a substitutionary sacrifice to stand in our place, to die the death that we deserved. As a substitute, he took all of the sins of everyone who would ever believe, and he took them on himself. So they were credited to his account. So that when Jesus the Christ died on the cross, his father looked at him, the son of his love, as if he had committed all the heinous deeds that I had done. All the criminal acts against God that everyone who would ever believe had ever done, past, present, and future. God saw his son as the guilty one, even though he was sinless. So that Jesus, in his death, taking all of our sins, could absorb all of his father's anger against those sins and pay for it completely. That's the only way that we could be forgiven, is if our sins go somewhere and the punishment for those sins is exacted, completely and totally fulfilled in the sin bearer. And then for those whose sins have been transferred to Jesus Christ by faith, those sins are removed from the sinner as far as the east is from the west. God is said to justify the ungodly in order to bring us to Him. And the great news of forgiveness of sin is not just that we walk around forgiven, but our forgiveness qualifies us to have a relationship to God, to know the reason for which we were made, to actually live under His blessing and to know Him in all of His goodness. This is the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sins forgiven and adoption by grace into his family. You get to hear the stories this morning of not just an abstract idea of the gospel, but a real living trophy of God's grace. What happens in a life when the gospel invades? Now these eight who are coming to be baptized, they're going to speak in front of all of us. Public speaking might sound terrifying. This isn't public speaking. You who have been baptized here, you know this. Uh, this is, a, this is a, our living room of our family. 
these are our friends. And everyone who loves Jesus Christ, who's already been baptized, who has already given testimony of God's grace, as you hear these testimonies, no doubt you're going to be thinking about your own heart and your own life. You're going to be refreshed in grace again. I remember when I got saved. I remember when I gave testimony to my salvation. Praise the Lord. And maybe you're here this morning and you've not experienced what these have experienced. Let me encourage you. Seek the Lord. Call out to Him. And you can be saved from your sins. They're here this morning not to tell you Um, that they are becoming Christians by this water. This water is not magic. It doesn't do anything. It is merely a vehicle and a symbol to give public testimony of what has already happened in their lives. And we get to hear what God has done by his grace.